Well, if you are like the Peeler family, you might be looking towards summer and realizing that there might be a beach trip in your future. Uh, and if uh, you know me at all, you know that I probably don't like sand and I wish I could just go straight from the, the, the sidewalk to the, to the water and miss all the sand in the process. But one of the, the things that I really enjoy about uh, the beach is the waves and being able to go out into the water and, and feel them kind of crash against me and, and be kind of pushed around. But I also enjoy kind of riding them in, doing body surfing every now and then. And one of the things, uh, if you've done that at all, you, you've experienced in life is every now and then there's one that's a little bit bigger than you realized, and it has a little more power in it, and it, and it twists you around, and in that, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a little bit of a swirl, and uh, you, you close tight, and you, you start to wonder which way is up. And if you want to try and swim uh, upwards, you don't really know what that is, and as we approach our text tonight, I, I, what, I, what I think is, is Jesus is using uh, this passage of Scripture where He is trying to reorient uh, His disciples and those that are listening, and ultimately us, of the ways in which we are to serve, whether that is uh, to put our feet upon uh, the Lord or whether to, to go as the way the world uh, teaches to serve. And so He He's in this book, uh, he is, he's spent uh, many times uh, in which he has addressed concerns from uh, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, and now in, uh, we're in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 23, he is making somewhat of a shift in the way in which he now is using the actions of the Pharisees and of the scribes uh, to, to teach how it is, uh, to how it works to truly serve uh, the, the Lord. And so with that in mind, let me read our scripture text for tonight. Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, and so do observe whatever they tell you, but, do, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all these deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love the place of honor at feasts and at the best seats at the synagogues and the greetings in the mar- marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher. You are all brothers. You, and you call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Thus ends the reading of God's word. As we look at that question, how are we to truly serve God, we're going to try and take that into two different parts, two main points. The example given here of the wrong motivation to serve, and then the example that Jesus gives of the right motivation to serve. And so to start by looking at the wrong motivation to serve, we can bust that into two smaller sections by saying we'll look at the fruit of this wrong motivation, and then we'll look at the root or what causes this fruit to happen. And so if we're looking to, to the fruit of these Pharisees and these scribes, 
We can see from the very beginning that Jesus identifies in verse 3. He says that they, they preach, but they don't practice what they preach. And so there is this understanding in which these men uh, have, have grown up. They've been steeped in the Word of God, the Old Testament Scriptures, and they are able to, to open them. They're able to read them. They're able to even teach them. But for some reason, they have separated themselves from them, and so they're not able to be affected by the teachings in which they are, are teaching themselves. It's like water on the back of a duck. It just rolls off. And we see that even continuing on as, as we look at verse 4, where they tie up these heavy burdens, where they're taking the Scriptures and the Word of God and they're implying them to, to others in a way in which is piling burden after burden on and the, themselves, as they look at it, they are unwilling them, themselves to even lift a finger to do the same things in which they're asking others to do. And then we see as, they continue, as Jesus continues on, as we see that there's, there's this desire in which they are wanting to have honor and respect. As they have taught, as they have built themselves up, they, they look for these seats of honor. They look for the ways in which they can get these different titles, the way in which they can have this hierarchy and be above other people. It's, this, it's what we see oftentimes and what we in our culture today often hear of saying, you know, that's, that's, what our, that's what the church does. That's what the church throughout our land is, is, is there are a lot of hypocrites in there that, that they will teach things, but they don't ever let them touch themselves. And so if we look at that, uh, there is the question of what is the, at the root? What causes this type of behavior? If you're reading the Word of God, if you've if you're been informed of all these things, how is it that you can distort these truths and in, in appearing like you're serving God, actually not be serving God? And so if we look at the root, I think what we can see is really they've taken their eyes off of who God is. They've forgotten His holiness. They have looked at it uh, in a different light in which they have built themselves up to be something that they are not. If we think of the Israelites in which they were called out of the land in which they had become slaves, and we see in there early on that they are excited to, to, to go out and be free, but what's their, their first response as they get there? They lose sight of who God is, they lose sight of what He's done for them, and they instantly start doing things to make themselves to seem to be appealing. And in the way, same way that these Pharisees and these scribes, they look at uh, the, the works in which they're doing and saying, okay, I'm in some way going to be able to please God. And in that, they have forgotten that God is holy and that He is infinite. And so in this, we are created, we, are, we have been created by the Creator, and the Creator doesn't need us. And so oftentimes uh, in the church, in these uh, individuals' minds, it came to the point where they thought that they were more important than they actually were. And that speaks to their heart because they didn't quite understand how broken they were. They didn't understand that they were truly sinners while they could look at the big picture of things and say, okay, I'll do these things. I won't murder. I won't steal. Um, and, And then I'll do all these other little things, these burdens that are built up. In reality, Jesus would oftentimes describe to them and saying that you're like a whitewashed tomb. Then the outside, you're concerned with everything that is visible, but in your heart, you never let the Word of God, you never really consider what you are like as you stand before a holy God. And so as we, as we consider that, we can also see that there's this but here and, and how Jesus takes this and he, he, he transforms it into a teaching opportunity. This is where he tries to reorient
reorient uh, to us and his disciples into what it means to truly serve. And the first thing he does is he goes at the root. He goes at the heart of what he is trying to teach here. And he strips away all the titles. He strips away the hierarchy. He reminds them that they're all brothers. He reminds them that, uh, that there is not necessarily, there, there's still physical fathers, but spiritually there is ultimately the Father in heaven. And then there is one instructor who is the Christ. And so as we look at this, we are reminded about what the Christ has done and what Jesus, who is the Christ, has done to be the perfect servant. And as we look at that, we see in which he uh, dwelt in heaven and he came and he lowered himself and took on flesh. In doing so, we've just come off the Easter holiday and we've reminded ourselves of what he did on that Thursday before uh, the, the, the Good Friday in which he took off his outer robes and he went around and he washed the disciples' feet. He lowered himself as a servant. And even more so, as he went to the cross, he dealt not just with the outside, but with the inside, with the, the, the blackness and the difficulties in which each one of us struggle with our own sin. He, in his death and his resurrection, was able to wash all of those who believe in him's sin away, but also to, in his resurrection, able to, to give us his perfect righteousness. Uh, this is the beautiful picture of the gospel in which we are reminded over and over again of how we are able to approach a holy and perfect God. And so in this, there's a few questions that we have to ask ourselves. Are we true believers? Do we truly love the Lord? Or are we trying to just act in ways in which we can be a, 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 a servant to those that look at us and, and build up? And as we, uh, as we look at men that are going to be ordained tonight to be servants, uh, we have to ask ourselves oftentimes, why, what is the motive in which we're doing this? And uh, in this scripture, it's very clear that there are two reasons for doing it. And the first reason is the wrong reason. If you're doing it for your own works, if you're doing it for your own glory, and in that, if that is the motive, that is, is one that will be filled with heavy burdens. It will be filled with, with all kinds of sadness. And, and ultimately, as, as you come before the judgment seat, you'll be asked whether or not uh, you uh, have anything to offer. And the answer is no. Apart from Christ, you have nothing. But in this, there is also the perfect hope uh, and, and wonderful assurance that we have that if you are covered with Christ's works and you have been washed clean and you are one of his children, that you have a great and wonderful Savior and you can say, yes, I am, I am one of your children and I love you, Lord. And he will say, come in, my good and faithful servant. And so with that, as we look at the, at the heart behind why we would serve, we'd also see that there is a certain amount of fruit that would be produced. There would be a way in which uh, we would want to respond uh, to our new life, our way in which that we would respond to the good works uh, that the Lord has, has given to us. And the first of those, would be, we would always want to remain humble that we would see each and every act in which we are able to do and it produces any fruit, we would come back and say, only by the grace of God was I able to do that. Only by God's 
kind hand was, was I able to produce anything good in this life? And then we would give praise to the Lord for it. And then in that, we would also be continually motivated to serve. As we read Scripture, we would not let it just roll off our backs, but instead we would apply it to our lives. In the ways in which we see a new commandment to give, to love one another, we would strive after that, not because we're in some way earning our, our righteousness or our perfect works before the Lord. In fact, we are responding because the Lord has done all this for us. And so our natural response is we want to do what the Lord has asked us to do because He's given us such good gifts. And then as we close things out, we would also be filled with joy. And as we have men that will come uh, this evening and as they make this commitment and they make these oaths in which they are committing to serve the Lord in this new capacity, we can always remind ourselves the ways in which we uh, have this awesome joy. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, number, question number one, uh, is always asks, what is the chief end of man? And the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And as we serve the Lord and as we are believers, that is one of the the wonderful reminders that we get over and over again. As we look at our humility, as we are humbled before the Lord, as we are motivated to serve, and then in the miraculous ways in which the Lord still allows us to serve and there are fruit that comes forth, we are enjoying it and we are excited by it because it brings glory to the Father. And we are overjoyed in the realities that we can continue to do that over and over again and reminded of it in the gospel over and over again. Let me pray for us now. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways in which you have revealed in it uh, your, work, your son's perfect works. Lord, we pray that you would allow us to go to the gospel daily, that we would be reminded over and over again the ways in which you have renewed in us the ability to, to serve you. We pray that we would find joy in it. I pray particularly for these men this evening, Lord, that as they uh, feel uh, the burden and the weight of, of this new office come upon them, Lord, that they would quickly hand it over to you and that it would be reminded of the light burden in which you give and the ways in which we can, can come to you and lay all of our burdens at the foot of the cross. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.